I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology. Today's guest is Angie Jones, consulting automation engineer at LexisNexis. Angie explained what test automation is and its importance in the software development process. We also talked about merging the role of software developer and software tester and its consequences. Angie also highlighted the process of collaboration across multidisciplinary teams. If you have any feedback, you can write a review on iTunes or send me a tweet at Tech Women Show. Angie Jones is a consulting automation engineer at LexisNexis. And she's joining us today. Angie, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. Thanks so much for having me. In 2016, you gave a commencement speech at Sci Academy High School in New Orleans, the high school that you went to. It was this moment that caused a reflection for you because when you started high school, you had a GPA of 1.7 which is quite low for those that are not familiar with the system. However, you later on went to study computer science in 1999. What changed from that low GPA time to you pursuing a career in computer science? Yeah, so when I started high school, I guess I had a lot of just kind of adolescence typical issues, but I wasn't very engaged at all at school. And so I was a pretty bad teenager, I guess. I would skip classes and just not apply myself or do my work. And so this resulted in, like you said, the 1.7 GPA my freshman year. And I had done well previous to going into high school. So my parents knew that, you know, it wasn't any learning difficulties or anything like that, but simply me not applying myself. So, you know, I sought some counseling and, you know, had my parents to talk to me and teachers who could see my potential talk with me and, and just kind of counsel me back onto the right track. And so I actually ended up graduating as salutatorian from the high school. So that was number two in the class of close to 400 students. And so I did pick that GPA back up and, you know, gave me the confidence to go on to college. Now, when I went on to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do exactly. I was not familiar with computer science as a field. So I didn't even know, like, being a programmer was an option. So I went into college and I just majored in business. I just picked something and I figured business would be safe enough that I can figure out what I wanted to do later on. And my father, he recommended that I take at least one computer class. So he knew that this was an emerging space and that I should probably know a little bit of something about it. And silly me, I actually enrolled into a programming class, a C++ programming class. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And I did really well in the class. And the professor was very encouraging to me. 
and recommended that I change my major. And so I did. Wow, that's great. And you're currently an automation engineer. What does automation mean? So automation is basically programming tasks that are maybe done repetitively. So I specifically focus on test automation, so software testing. And so what this does is automates a lot of user flows against UIs or web services or basically any interface that a user or another developer might interact with. And I automate the journeys or the scenarios or the flows of those. Does this encompass unit testing? So unit testing is one layer of it. So there's several layers. And the unit testing layer is typically done by developers who are actually producing the system itself. So that's their way of doing some minimal testing of what they're producing. So my role comes is a little bit broader than that. It comes after that and it exercises more kind of functional flows and end-to-end type scenarios. What's an example of a scenario that can be fully automated? So let's say like an e-commerce website, for example. And so I can automate the flow of a user actually first coming to the site, searching through a catalog of products, choosing a product that they might like, adding that product to the cart, doing some manipulation in a cart, such as increasing the quantity or removing it and adding another product or, you know, your typical user flows. And then finally, the checkout of that product. So as you can imagine, like a scenario like that is pretty important to any business who is selling products, right? And so you want to be able to have that automated and not necessarily have to rely on humans to have to execute that very important scenario every time that there's a change made to the code base. So what we do is automate something like that. And anytime someone checks something in, that's also something that can be automated. Like this scenario is automatically kicked off and we ensure that there's not been any bugs introduced into the system. How early in the process of software development should we start automation testing? So I actually do a talk at conferences around the world talking about this. So typically what's being done in the industry right now is after software is produced and delivered to, say, a testing team, for example. So it might be before it goes into production, but it's in a testing type phase. This is where automation is typically written for those types of scenarios. Or a lot of times it's written even after it's gone into production. So it's an afterthought. One of the talks that I give is called How to Get Automation Included in Your Definition of Done. And it looks at agile teams who are working with this definition of done and not necessarily including automation because automation is software development as well. So it's writing just as much code as the developers do and sometimes even more because there may be more scenarios that need to be executed than what, you know, just the happy path. So 
it's really a lot of teams think that it's really difficult to be able to complete the coding of the automation task as well as the coding of the production task in something like an agile sprint, which might be two weeks. And so I give techniques on how to accomplish this. And one of the techniques is starting very early in actually developing the automation code in parallel with the developers who are writing the production code. And that takes a little bit of effort and synergy between those two team members to be able to know what to automate against, considering it hasn't been delivered to you yet. And some companies, even big companies, for example, like Facebook or Microsoft, have been merging the roles of software engineer and software testers. So there's no longer a dedicated software tester. What do you think of this strategy? Yeah, so that is definitely becoming more common. There's some companies who are having their testing initiatives kind of shift further left, meaning that the developers are actually doing the testing. I've not seen that work very well just because there are two different mindsets between a software developer and a software tester, right? So a software developer is in creation mode and they're working from a design that pretty much talks about what is the happy path? What should this feature do? A software tester has a much broader view and is coming at this from more of a user angle. And yes, I know that this is the optimal scenario, but knowing people and how we use software, there are a lot of different varieties in the path that a person might take to get to the end result. And so that's a different mindset. And so I, what I've seen in my experience is that having people dedicated to those roles, but blending some is the best fit. So what I mean by that is as a developer, yes, I am focused on doing the production development. However, I can do things like you said, like unit tests or maybe test-driven development or just develop with quality in mind. And as a tester, I can become more technical. So not just wait for the end product and go through clicking buttons and things like that. So testers are evolving into a more disciplined and technical focus where they are actually involved at the design level. They are actually looking at the code and being able to detect bugs much earlier in the cycle. And you mentioned test-driven development. What does this mean? Right. So this is also known as TDD. And what it means is that a developer would actually write their tests or their unit tests before they write their code. And so... If the business is saying, here's the feature that we're going to develop, and here are some tests, acceptance tests that should pass in order for this feature to be accepted, right? So what the developer would do is go ahead and write the automation code for those test scenarios before any code is ever written. And at first, these tests won't work. That's the idea because we don't have the code behind it. And so what a developer would do is write just enough code to make these scenarios work. And the idea behind that is that they're developing with quality in mind, but they're also 
not over-engineering the solution. So if you think about how to build something without the test in place, it's very easy to kind of overdo that. But if you just write enough for the test to pass, then you have just what you need. And talking more about the notion of not having dedicated testers, do you think this might also depend on the nature of the product? For example, if it's software for the medical field or NASA, it might be better to have a dedicated team for that? So that definitely calls for someone very disciplined to be able to advocate for quality, yes. But I think in any software shop, pretty much, that there is a role for a tester. So I find in our industry, we a lot of times kind of minimize that role or think that anyone can pick it up. But I've seen like some very great testers, some testers who are just absolutely brilliant at what they do. They're brilliant at being able to understand the domain, understand all of the different features and how they play together. And I've worked in both roles. I've worked as a developer and I've worked as a tester. And I can say when I worked as a developer, my view and my scope was much more limited than that of a tester. So I was only pretty much focused on whatever features that I was developing. And it was a very much so heads down kind of approach, whereas a tester had a much bigger view. And so they're able to, I've seen testers go into design meetings and say, this won't work because the system is designed this way. This will conflict with this feature and you'll have these type of issues that arise, right? And so having someone dedicated on the team who has that knowledge and that insight, I think is invaluable. And also because I think people that come from a testing background, they are sort of advocating for the user because when they're working, they're putting themselves in the shoes of the user, like what can the user do? Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely advocating for the user. And also, like, testers kind of get a, a bad rap of breaking the system. And so I don't believe that testers break the system. The system is broken and the testers are just there to kind of investigate and find those broken pieces and inform the team of that. And so this is information that you definitely would want to hear from a tester, not a end user who is paying to use the system or is trying to make a purchase and you may lose out on revenue if you have enough of these bugs in there. So this is definitely something that you would want to hear before you were out in production. Let's talk a bit about the tools that you used. You've looked at automation with Selenium. For those that are not familiar with Selenium, can you explain what it is? Yeah, so Selenium is a tool that basically automates the usage of a web browser. And so it's used to mimic Anything that you can do on a browser, such as clicking a button, selecting things from drop-down menus, filling out text fields, all of that sort of thing. So Selenium does that. It's not necessarily a testing tool because 
It doesn't do any validation or verification. It's simply a way to automate gestures on a browser. And so you couple this with some type of assertion tool, some testing type framework. So the common ones are JUnit for Java or NUnit or things like that. Another one is testing G. So the way we write our automation scripts is you use Selenium to do all of your actions on the UI, and then you use the assertion tool to make a decision on whether the state of the application is as you expect it to be. And so you would verify a true or false, pass or fail type of thing. It's, if I did all of this, I set these fields to these values, I clicked this button, did this happen? Is the application in this state? If so, then true. If not, I mean, if so, then the test passes. If not, then it fails. And does Selenium work by launching the user's browser or is it a standalone browser? It launches the user's browser. So there are driver executables that are available for all of the different browsers. And so it, it actually launches the browser and you can actually watch it work as it interacts with the browser. Have you looked at automation being done through headless browsers, for example, PhantomJS? Yes, so I am familiar with those as well. And so what they do, they're supposed to be a little bit less fragile. So if you can imagine doing extensive actions on a UI, on a browser can definitely be fragile. So these are things that as a human, you probably don't even really recognize. But like when you set a field and you do this, you do that, you click a button. A lot of times there may be like a little wait. There may be some some Ajax that's going on. And so the browser changes, the, the window changes. Or there could be like some kind of icon, a spinning icon or something that says things are loading. So these are things that we've become accustomed to as a user. However, these things have to be taken account of in your scripts. And so it leads to a lot of fragile automation scripts. And so as these things are running repetitively, sometimes they could break if you don't take careful consideration of these things. And so with the headless browsers, it kind of tries to get away from those limitations by not having all of those clicks and, and things like that. And instead, it interacts with the DOM, the document object model, or the HTML code that's underneath that browser. So the headless browser, if I'm running a test on it, it wouldn't be rendering all the UI components, right? It, you wouldn't see it on the screen. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm a fan of seeing it on the screen. So I typically go with the actual visual browser because it gives me a lot of information as well. I can do a lot more with that. For example, in the case of a failure, I can actually take screenshots of the UI and, and be able to look at that as a human being and see what was going on and what could have caused this failure. I think the other value of using that is that you're launching the real browser that the user is going to use. Users are not going on websites on phantom.js. 
Right. So right. <laughs> yeah, but are there some types of tests that are better suited to be done in Selenium versus in a headless browser? So instead of using like a headless browser, there are other mechanisms that I use as opposed to the UI. And so that might be like web services or things like that. So, or or like your application logic, your business layer. And so because of the fragility of UI browser testing and how, I mean, it takes quite a long time for those type of scripts to run as well. There's this thing that's called the automation pyramid that was introduced by Mike Cohen. And what it is, is three layers where he recommends that the bulk of your test be done at the unit test layer. And at the unit test layer, unit tests ideally do not interact with a browser. They don't interact with the database or any external features. It's supposed to be testing at the unit level, you know, the smallest unit you have, which is your, maybe your methods. And so it's testing at that layer and you might can mock up some information if you need to. So the bulk of your tests he recommends are at that layer. The next largest layer would be at the service layer. So when you think about what's going on with the browser, browser is simply a way to display information or display an application but there's a lot of logic and stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And so if you can test at the behind the scenes layer, then it's a lot quicker and a lot less fragile. And so a lot of your tests should be at that layer as well. And then very minimal tests at the UI layer. So I only use the, I try to only use the UI layer when I have to, when I'm trying to validate the display of something or, Sometimes I might need to do a whole scenario, like the scenario I talked about earlier where I said the e-commerce and you search for an item and you add it to the cart and then you do checkout. Well, if I'm only testing checkout, then that whole flow doesn't necessarily need to go through the UI layer. So my tests become a lot more hybrid and strategic in the way that they're implemented. So maybe I add an item to the cart by simply using a web service and then launch the browser to just go to the cart and test what I need to test at the cart page. Does that make sense? Yes. And like you said, for unit tests, not unit tests, the UI test, we try to keep them minimal, the key scenarios. So in order to determine those scenarios, do you collaborate with other people in the team to come up with those? Yes, so I believe in collaborating with pretty much everyone. And so one of the things that I encourage teams to do is to embed their automation engineers onto their agile teams. So what we've seen done a lot in the past is that automation engineers are typically working in a silo And they're their own little team or one little person working by themselves on automation. And so what I encourage is go ahead and embed them in the teams and let them be a part of all of the agile rituals. They're at all of the meetings and that sort of thing. That way they hear a lot of the information and they can also provide information. And it's easier to collaborate that way. So I recommend that they collaborate with the business to figure out what should we automate. So a lot of Companies get this wrong because they start off wanting to automate everything. 
If it's a test, then it should be automated is what they think. However, that's not really a good practice. So automation is really expensive to write and it's really expensive to maintain. Not only that, we use automation, especially in more mature environments, we use it for the validation of continuous integration and continuous deployment. And those types of things, you need fast feedback. And so having a million tests that are running where you only need a minimal amount of feedback is not as advantageous. And so I challenge teams to really think about what it is you want to automate. And one person you can collaborate with is your business analyst. And so making sure that you understand what is it that we're building? Who are the customers? How are they going to be using it? What's the value and what's the risk? And then make a decision that way, based on that information, what would be the best ones to automate? What are the ones that We want to get feedback on every time a developer checks code in, right? The other person I recommend you to collaborate with is the tester. So some people get this wrong too as well, where they try to have the person who's testing and the person who's writing the automation code be the same person. And so that's very, very challenging, especially if you're working in an agile environment It's just not enough time for this person to wear both of those hats, typically, especially if they're supporting more than a few developers, right? And so ideally, that would be two different people, but they do need to collaborate. So figure out, okay, what is it that we're going to test as a whole? What are the areas you're going to go and do more exploration in? And let me know your ideas for what would be like regression testing, for example, and I'll be sure to automate those. And then also with a developer. So getting an understanding of the feature that's going to be built. And like I said earlier, in order to really accomplish this in an agile environment, you need to be able to start as soon as possible and preferably being able to start same time as development starts. And so to do that, there definitely takes some concerted effort to collaborate before development begins. And so working together to kind of make sure you're on the same page about what's being built and even go as far as what that will look like. So I have people, I tell them to get with your developer, have a little short meeting, and you draw up a sketch about what you think the UI will look like and have your developer do the same thing. And then you two compare this and and see the differences. And so you'll you'll have a lot of information that will come out of that conversation. The tester or the automation person will bring a view from the customer's aspect. They'll bring a view of the entire system. So they'll say things like, oh, I envisioned it to look this way because this is something that's consistent with the other features in the application, for example. Your developer, they have information about the implementation details. So maybe JavaScript widgets or something that they are going to use. And that's why they envisioned it to look this way. And so you have these discussions before any coding begins and kind of get on the same page and come to an agreement on what you're going to deliver. Also, in automation, in order to automate, we need handles to all of the elements. So all of the elements that you see on the UI, there's some coding behind it and there's some identifiers behind it that makes automation simpler. So working those identifiers out in advance 
can help the automation engineer go ahead and begin coding before the product is ever developed. So like you said, the main idea is to not leave automation engineers isolated and assuming that they'll just come up with everything. It has to be a a collaboration effort within the different disciplines. Yeah, because when it's done in isolation like that, from my experience, no one pays attention to it but the automation people. And so the testers don't know what's automated. And so they end up doing those same tests that are already automated. The developers don't know what's automated. So they're not looking at that for their feedback on if they've broken anything. So no one has a clue about what's going on except the person who's actually writing the automation code. Or even the test could end up being simpler if the dev just makes, like you said, a change in how the element, the HTML elements are structured. Right. Yeah, yep, exactly. Definitely. Well, Angie, thank you for coming on the show. I really enjoy speaking with you. Okay, thanks so much for having me. 